chapter. The writer of Hebrews writes, See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. The context here is he's explaining how the new covenant is better than the old covenant. In the old covenant, when God spoke, it was with an audible voice. It was with thunder. And if you did not heed what he said, it was dangerous. Um, God was revealing his glory and his power and his reality. But now, ruling from the throne in heaven through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we have a better deal. Uh, The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. And um, if what God had to say was was important in the Old Testament... It's even more important now. Verse 26 says, Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, and he quotes from Haggai 2, verse 6 and 7, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you're real and that you're alive and that your kingdom is real and that we are a part of it. And Father, we ask that... um, the affairs of life in this present point in history would be seen by all of us through the lens of your scripture, through your perspective in Jesus' name. Lord, where we are shaken up, make us steadfast in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First two verses says, see that we, you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape, he refused him who spoke on earth. Much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. That is a quote from Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, which begins... For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land. Now, he made that statement thousands of years ago, but understand that with God, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. Now, that's not some kind of formula to figure out when Jesus comes back. It's just simply a fact. Time is not a limitation to God. What's a long time to us is just... Snap of the fingers to him. So to him, it's been a little while since he's made this promise that once more he will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations. This is what's happening in our day. And here's why. And they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The temple is his agency of worship, that his kingdom in the earth will be filled with his glory. When all nations come to him, who's the desire of all nations? Nations know they want something. They don't know he's the one they're wanting. You ever not wanted medicine when really that's what you needed? 
God is what the world needs. Jesus Christ is the antidote for all of their problems to bring peace in the earth. And many times they don't want that. So God is shaking the nations so to bring them to a place of willingness to come to the one whom they desire. Isn't that good? All right, let's go on back to our text. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Um, I understand when they harvest pecan trees, don't they shake them? What's that thing called they shake them with? A shaker. (laughs) They don't do it to destroy the tree. They do it to harvest the pecans, and they shake them to get everything that's shakable off of it so that that which isn't shakable the green pecans and the leaves and the branches stays there. This is what's happening in our day. I have a question for you. Is there some shaking going on? I believe there was a song that said a whole lot of shaking going on. Another one says we're standing on shaky ground. Um, this, this is where we're living. It's, we're being shaken internationally. I mean, the world is so connected. One country suffers, we all suffer. It's It's there. It's sad that things are happening in Sudan and nobody's doing anything about it, not realizing it's going to come back on the world. They don't put a stop to that. The world is shaking economically. Uh, There's economic upheaval everywhere. Politically, I mean, the Democrats say they won, but I just don't know if it really was the Democratic Party as much as this shaking going on. Um. Geologically, things are shaking. Was there not an earthquake in Irving a week or two ago? I mean, come on, who, who, who's heard of this? Earthquakes in various places. Uh, social, sociologically, there's a shaking going on. We're seeing the fulfillment of Romans chapter 1. It says when a culture rejects God, all kinds of bizarre things start happening. Women and men are wanting to get married and not to each other. Sociological upheaval, shaking going on. Theologically, there's a shaking going on. I've never seen so many false prophets, even in the charismatic church, as there are in our day. I mean, it's just craziness going on. Christ saw this and foretold this in Luke and Mark and Matthew, and we won't look at all three. They basically echo each other. In Luke 21, he said, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. So persecution is at an all-time high. More Christians, I think, were killed in the last century than the previous uh, 19th century since the church was born. Christ then said, therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, but I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. This has not yet happened to me personally as in being hauled into court or thrown into jail, but uh, recently Yvette and I had an altercation with an atheist who was just running his mouth against the church, against Jesus, against Christianity, and I just couldn't keep quiet. I had to start talking So we had a friendly debate there, and before it was over, his name is Jesse from San Antonio. Before it was over, he was saying Jesus was his hero, and he admitted that his name wasn't Jesse. 
His mother named him Jesus. So I declare by faith his days are numbered. Hallelujah. Anyway, in that debate, there was just things I was saying I hadn't thought of before. The Holy Spirit was helping. So have no fear when you hear something like that. Jump in there and begin to share your testimony. Amen. Verse 25 of Luke 21 says, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. That's what we're seeing. The sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear, and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And this has been going on for a while. Uh, Joe Duncan preached years ago that every generation has signs pointing to the Lord's return so that every generation will not have an excuse for not preparing themselves for the Lord's return. So if the Lord does not return in our generation, we should be ready for his return. Amen? The signs are telling us to get ready. Powers of the heavens will be shaken. Um, when I was a little boy, my sister was eight days old. A tornado came through our town. My father was pastoring a church in Cicero, Illinois, and ripped the roof off our house. And we were in the middle room. We didn't have time to go outside and go in the basement. It was one of those houses that had these trap doors outside your house to go down to your basement. So we all went in the middle room and just prayed, and the roof was tore off. I don't remember. I was a little kid. Anyway, the woman next door didn't touch her house, but she died of a heart attack. Hearts fail people for fear. Verse 31, he says, So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Now, I just, I, I, obviously, we all believe that this means that, you know, Christ is coming back. But I think there's also some other insight here that I think we can glean from verse 31 to encourage us. We're not alone. In the shaking, you're not alone. The kingdom of God is in you. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. So when these things happen, the kingdom of God's not retreating. It's advancing, and it's with you. And yet it's coming. Christ is coming back. But if he doesn't come back in our lifetime, we're not alone in this thing. Heaven is helping us. Verse 28 is the verse I want to focus on today from our text of Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Another translation says, for this reason, since we are receiving an unshakable kingdom, let us be having grace. The Greek there in the original uh, writing of the scripture says, continue to have grace. Since we're receiving a kingdom that's unshakable, let us hold on to grace. Because that's what keeps us solid. Through which we are sacredly serving God in an acceptable manner with reverence and godly fear. One other translation says, therefore receiving an immovable kingdom, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe. I'm going to speak to you today on how to stay strong in shaky times. How many want to know? You already do. We're just going to remind you. But before we do, I just want to share a foundational thing about the kingdom of God. In this era of time, God's kingdom is invisible. Who knows that? You can't point to heaven and say, there it is right there, that star right there. That's where it is. 
Bible says the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. It's an invisible kingdom. Its reality, however, can be seen through the lives that are being changed by its influence. People can see your life and the change that God is making in your life, and that is evidence to them of the kingdom of God. And in shaky times like this, if God is sustaining you, holding you strong, that is evidence of the reality of the kingdom. Do you see that? Second point upon which this sermon is built. Because it is unshakable, his kingdom is revealed when everything else is being shaken. It's different. It's invisible and unshakable. And those things that stay strong, that are related to the kingdom, point to the kingdom, reveal it. All right, let's get into the word. How to stand in shaking times as citizens of the unshakable kingdom. Number one, we want to continue holding on to God's grace. That is his undeserved mercy for us. Number two, we want to continue worshiping God, inspired by grace, not man-made tradition. Number three, we want to continue in prayer, the source of our strength made possible by God's grace. Number four, we want to continue in the word applied and lived out by his grace. And number five, we want to continue in fellowship extended with biblical grace, not liberalism or legalism. All right, we're going to look at each of these things in a little more depth. How to stand in shaky times. Number one, we want to continue holding on to God's grace. Our text says, says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. Um, Some of the paraphrases says, let us be thankful. You know, like you say grace over your food. Uh, By all means, we should be thankful in this Thanksgiving season for the unshakable kingdom that we're part of. But that's not what the writer said. He says, let us hold on or continue holding on or having grace. Grace is this unmerited favor or undeserved mercy that God has given to us that when we receive it, it inspires appreciation in our life that changes the way we think and the way we see things. We can never let go of that. Hebrews 13 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by grace. In shaky times, Christ warned us that false prophets would would raise up and say, the kingdom of God's coming over there, or, or I am the Christ. And so in times of testing, apocalyptic, obsessed people become vulnerable to cults and cult leaders who will cause people to think, they may not say this, but cause people to think that God's kingdom principles are, are, are suspended for the time being because we're now in emergency mode. And um, walking in love isn't what it's about anymore because we've got to survive. Let's go to the caves or let's move to Guyana and drink Kool-Aid and get out of this place. Uh, if we hold on to grace, we won't be sucked into that kind of thing. You see how the grace can prevent you from being vulnerable to false prophets and, and leaders that would get you shook up. If God, when you were yet a sinner, sent his son 
to die in your place, to pay the penalty for your sin, if he went through that much trouble, can he not sustain us in shaky times? Holding on to grace makes us strong when times are shaky. Number two, we must continue worshiping God inspired by his grace, not man-made religion. I love to worship in the culture in which we live. Other cultures may worship differently. But basically, worship is an expression of love for God from a position of humility. Having received blessings we do not reserve, we naturally express love and appreciation to the one whom we love. Our text again, if we then... If then we have a kingdom which will never be moved, let us have grace. This is the basic Bible translation. I love this. Let us have grace so that we may give God such worship as is pleasing to him with fear and respect. Uh, Many times I run across believers, and it may be one of us today. It may be you. Where worship many times is an annoyance. And the remedy to that isn't someone rebuking you. The remedy to that is you receiving a revelation of God's grace for you. And when that comes to you, and a song as old as the hills, How Great Thou Art, begins to be sung, oh my goodness, it becomes a new song. Because he is great. (laughs) He's been good to you. Sound, please. Here's a video of a guy that just doesn't quite have the revelation of God's grace, so he's not inspired to worship. It's an annoyance to him and troubling to him. This is called the worship hater. You know what I can't stand about church? It's the singing. Yeah, they start singing their worship songs and they kind of want me to get excited and all fired up. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not an emotional guy. I'm just not. Oh my goodness! That's huge! That's like all the way to Mars! That's because you're hitting from the girls' tee, you dink. I mean, that whole raising your hand thing, I just wouldn't do that in public. Come on, man! Come, come on, on. Hey, come on, shoot come the ball, come hey. on. Whoa, well, step back and Jay is cast. That's good, that's good. That means I'm good. Guy makes one shot and he thinks he's cool. You know, there's always that moment where they're singing and they want me to be louder. And I'm just not like that. That's, that's not the kind of person I am. I'm more of the quiet type. Look at this! Look what you did to your car! Yeah, it's not that bad. Not that bad? I thought, okay, the tree popped out of nowhere. Popped out of nowhere, did it? Yeah, about 300 years ago. You got parts falling off of the car? Your mom bought this car. She worked hard to get this car. And look, you treat it like it's a, like it's nothing. Give me the keys. Give me the keys. This car's mine. You know what I'm gonna do with this? I'm gonna pretend I'm Jeff Gordon. I'm gonna run up and down the drive. You believe it? I mean, I gotta do this every Sunday. I know, it's crazy, these people. The remedy for him isn't 
just to do it anyway and work himself up into some type of enthusiastic frenzy, foaming at the mouth or whatever people do, <laughs> make him swing from a chandelier. But understand, he does not deserve God's mercy. He's worthy of hell. And God has chosen him to show him his mercy. Undeserved. When that dawns in his heart, he becomes a worshiper. God's looking for worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. But he's also looking for those who will seek him so he can show his mercy to them. Hallelujah. Next point. To stand in shaky times, we need to continue praying. That is, going to the throne of grace. Let us therefore, Hebrews 4.16, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. goes on to say, For we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but he was in all points tempted as we are. He's able to empathize with you. Someone betrayed you. He knows what that feels like. Someone let you down, stolen from you, tried to kill you. He knows what that feels like. Falsely accused you, slandered you. He's able to help you. Not just by his superior knowledge as the all-knowing God, but as a resurrected man, the last Adam, he knows those things by experience. He knows what you need to strengthen you. And so in praying, we communicate with God. It's good. Talking to God. There's an old hymn that says, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. In August of 2004, many signs and billboards in the path of the Atlantic Hurricane Charlie were no match for the violent storm. However, one billboard resisted the close to 100 mile per hour winds in the Orlando area. While the billboard still stands, the advertisement that was there when Charlie hit was peeled back to reveal an earlier message. When the sun rose the next morning after the storm had subsided, on Sand Lake Road in Orlando, this is what it read. <laughs> Unique. Fourth point today. To stand in shaky times, you need to stand on the Word of God. Continue in the Word. Continue reading it. Hebrews 12.25, and talking about the shaking, he he prefaces the revelation of the shaking with these words, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. Hebrews is full of things about what God says and God speaking and the need to take it seriously. We'll just look at one of them. In Hebrews 2, the writer says, therefore we must give the, most, the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels prove steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, 
with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. So the word is to be taken seriously at all times. Amen? At all times. Continuing in the word. Um, I'm reminded of the story of Jesus. It's recorded in three of the Gospels. He gets in a boat on the Sea of Galilee and said, let's pass over to the other side. He puts his head on a pillow and falls asleep during their voyage to the other side. A violent storm arises. Uh, the disciples get tired of bailing water, and they're concerned about Jesus being asleep. They could all die. They wake him up. Master, don't you care that we're going to perish? You could walk on water, but we can't. No, he didn't say that. He woke up, rebuked the storm, the wind, and the seas became calm, and then he rebuked the disciples for their little faith. Where does faith come from? It comes from hearing the word. And the word made flesh gave them a word. We're going to the other side. He was resting on his own word, sleeping. So he revealed his divinity in calming the sea. And they were surprised that he calmed the sea. I think they woke him up to help them bail water. We are to do our part. We are to be responsible. But our first responsibility is to trust in the word. If he said we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. If he said the kingdom of God is near in the midst of tough times, it's near. Word of God. I love an African-American song by Douglas Miller called My Soul's Been Anchored. It says, though the storms keep raging in my life, and sometimes it's hard to tell the night from day, still that hope that lies within is reassured as I keep my eyes upon the distant shore. I'll know he'll lead me safely to that blessed pace he has prepared. But if the storms don't cease and if the winds keep on blowing in my life, my soul has been anchored in the Lord. I realize that sometimes in this life we're going to be tossed by the waves and the currents that seem so fierce. But in the word of God, I've got an anchor. And it keeps me steadfast and unmovable despite the tide. But if the storms don't cease and if the winds keep on blowing in my life, my soul has been anchored in the Lord. My soul has been anchored in the Lord. Billows may roll and breakers may dash. I shall not sway because he holds me back. So dark the days that lies the sky. But I know it's all right because Jesus is mine. My soul has been anchored in the Lord. Anchor in the Lord and in his word. Hold us steadfast. So we've seen to stand in shaky times to continue holding on to God's grace. And this shines light on the other, other four principles. Number two, to continue worshiping God. To continue in prayer, keep on praying, to continue in the word of God. And finally, a last point is to continue in edifying fellowship, exhorting one another with grace and truth. There's fellowship, but then there's fellowship. You ever been in fellowship where the atmosphere just kind of turns kind of negative? That's not true fellowship. Um, the Greek word for fellowship is the word koinonia, which is a life-giving 
gathering of people, sharing and sharing alike with one another, edifying fellowship, exhorting one another with grace and truth. Uh, if there's error in my life, I need for someone to come and exhort me. But I need for it to be with truth and grace. My dad used to say, you can take an ear of corn and kill a chicken by hitting him in the head with it. Or you can grind it up and feed him and make him fat. Yes, I've been eating lots of corn. It's the same corn, just different application. Paul said, speak the truth in love. So fellowship without truth really isn't God's will. And fellowship without love doesn't work. Continue in this edifying fellowship. I love this verse. Let us hold fast, Hebrews 10, the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. As the day of the Lord draws near, we need one another more than ever before. So these five points could be expressed, if you like, alliteration. Continuing in grace, worship, prayer, the word of God, and fellowship. Is we need to live in light of God's priority. That's his grace. His presence, we experience that with worship. His power is made real through prayer. His promises and principles, that's his word. These are the promises and principles of God in context of stories where they're lived out and commanded. And we need to live with God's people. This is edifying fellowship. Here is a video of a cell group, cell meeting, small group meeting, gone bad, that has a turnaround. within a matter of four and a half to five months, the little savings I had in my 401k is halved. We don't know what we're going to do. Maybe all our life savings all went down to the drain. The Wall Street and the corruption that is up there. How can that be? How can we, like, not even afford the gas for our cars? People are still talking about gas prices and things. What they're not talking about is health care. I don't know, are we going to have to work till we're 80 years old? And all these CEOs who's making millions and millions of dollars. Can you believe they just got that bonus right after they got bailed out? Yeah. 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 Why am I bailing out? I don't yeah. think yeah. Yeah. Another disaster. Like, man, we can't even pay our mortgages or... Now, is it enough? Literally knows what it costs now. We can't even afford gas just to get to our small You don't know what they're going to say. You can't believe anything. They're all right. Children. That's so true. We can't do it. 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 We can
they did what they did. Us just it doesn't not Who do you talk to? Who do you trust? And what do you do? Jeez, what are you guys complaining about? You guys are sitting down here being mad and angry, but weren't you, didn't you tell me to trust in God? Didn't, I mean, you told me to seek to God all the time when I had crisis, didn't you? Don't you guys believe what you say you believe? You guys need to start living the way that you tell other people to live, like me. I mean, I trusted God and he helped me out. Why don't you guys do the same? Wow, you guys, Sarah's right. We just got our eyes off Jesus. This afternoon, I just was full of anxiety and fear, and I went, started praying, and the Lord impressed on my heart out of Hebrews chapter 12, where he says, he's going to shake the entire earth, but we could put our faith in the unshakable kingdom of God. You know, that's true. Even though the Israelites complained a lot, if they just trusted God, he would help them. Seek first the kingdom of God and all will be given to us. Today has enough worries of its own and I'm not going to add a single hair to my head if I'm worrying. It's just not worth it. And as the scripture says that if we cast all our cares upon him, he cares for us as well and he will take care of us. So in Colossians, it says that we need to focus on things above instead of things down here on earth. You know, and Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You know, it's times of crisis like this where we need to stop complaining and really start encouraging one another, helping each other out. You know, it's a good time for us to pray. do that in this room this morning. I want to um, have a time of hearing the Word of God read. So in a moment, I'm going to play the song I read earlier, My Soul's Been Anchored in the Lord. And while we're hearing that, just look at your Bible and find a verse that has encouraged you in tough times in the past. There's no new warfare. It's all the same tactics that win battles. The Word of God is our sword. Find a verse. I don't want to... And then we're going to have time of reading the Scriptures. I don't want to hear what a Christian celebrity said or what Brother Hagen said. What does the Scripture say? Uh, you may have something really good in your journal, but today, not putting those things down, I just want to hear Scriptures. I just want to hear scriptures read. So um, we'll, we'll use the mic and uh, you can come up or I can bring it to you. Read where it's at, you know, Acts 2.38 or whatever, and then read the verse. Let's just hear the word of God, scripture after scripture around this room. Okay, can we do that? So right now, let's as we're looking at scriptures, uh, each person can read one scripture. You don't have to do this, but those that are willing to do it. While you're looking up your verse, let's hear Douglas Miller sing, My Soul Has Been Anchored.
to hear somebody sing with all their heart man that's just awesome all right let's begin a verse that speaks to me in times like these is psalm 112 says a good man deals graciously and lends he will guide his affairs with discretion surely he will never be shaken the righteous will be in everlasting remembrance he will not be afraid of evil tidings his heart is steadfast trusting in the lord brother Psalms 118.6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do unto me. <laughs> That's good. All right, let's go for it. Next. Yes. Yes. This is actually out of the Amplified Bible, but it says in 1 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9, and he will establish you to the end, keep you strong, give you strength, and guarantee your vindication. He will be your warrant against all accusation and indictment. God is faithful, reliable, trustworthy, ever true to his promises, and he can be depended on. By him, we were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. First Peter 5.10 And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Mm. Hallelujah. Uh, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Amen. Two really short ones, is that okay? Or just one? I just want I'll do the best one then. Um, 1 Corinthians 1. Can't see the verse. 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Yeah. Yes, brother. 1 uh, Timothy 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. <laughs> Hallelujah. So Ephesians chapter 3, starting with verse 14. For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from the, whom the whole family in heaven is named, in heaven and in earth is named, that he would grant you according to his riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit and in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is width 
and death, length and death and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God, to know that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we may ask or think, according to the power of his works in us. To him be the glory of the, in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. 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 That's good. Philippians 4, verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. John fourteen twenty seven, Peace I leave, you, leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Mm, that's good. Uh, Psalms 22, 24 through 26. For he has not despised or abhorred the afflictions of the afflicted, neither has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. My praise shall be of you in the great congregation. I will pay to him my vows made in the time of trouble before them who fear, revere, and worship him. The poor and the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord, for they who diligently seek for, inquire of, and for him, and, re- and require him as their greatest need, may your hearts be quick, quickened now and forever. That's good. Hallelujah. Anyone else in this section? All right. Okay. I had a choice between two. Uh, Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is in your midst. The Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And this is equally as good. First Peter um, 3.15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense for everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Hallelujah. If you have one to read, go ahead and stand up. My very favorite verse is Psalms 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. <laughs> Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Good. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Mine is a Second Corinthians five seven, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Romans thirty one or nine thirty one. What shall we 
say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Psalm 37, verse 5 and 6. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Hallelujah. This is good. All right. All those standing will get to read. No one else stand, please. There's 30,000 30, verses. We could be here all day. This is good. All right. Thou shalt not choke the sheep. There we go. James five thirteen through 16. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil of the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Continuation of Jeremiah 29, 12 through 14. Then you will call upon me and you will come and pray to me and I will hear and heed you. Then you will seek me, inquire of me and find me when you search for me with all your heart and I will be found by you. Psalm 68, verse 19. Blessed be the Lord who bears our burdens and carries us day by day. Even the God who is our salvation. Selah, pause and calmly think of that. Psalm 91, verse 14. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him and I'll be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. And honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm eighteen thirty through 32. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. Proverbs uh, 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Isaiah 26, 3. I will give him perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because he trusts in me. Romans 8, 35, and 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is, of, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Psalm 37, 23 through 26. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young, and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Hallelujah. 
James 1, 2, Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. Um, For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We got a verse? Okay, one more verse. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. Hallelujah. If you read the context of that verse, it means everything. We are citizens of a kingdom. As American believers, I I really think something happened with the Revolutionary War. Uh, We were colonies of a kingdom. An unjust kingdom, but a kingdom. We overthrew it. It was a revolution. Who's thankful for the Revolutionary War? But with it, there was a severance in our culture from what a kingdom is. We're a republic with democratic government. So we don't see kingdoms in operation other than in the world, and many times it's unjust. But our king really is a king. He's royal. He's a second Adam. He's actually the last Adam because there's not going to be another one. He's the son of God. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The prince of peace. The son of righteousness. The maker of heaven and earth. The word of God made flesh. The baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Our savior, our Lord, our redeemer, our restorer. Our righteousness is our king. And he experienced injustice for us. And in his kingdom, justice prevails, tempered by mercy. Aren't you thankful for it? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the word that we've heard today. The scriptures declared, Lord, bring us comfort. And Lord, what we've heard is just a portion of those that are available to us to think about and meditate upon. I pray, Lord, for each and every one of my brothers and sisters that they would continue in grace in shaky times. Lord, we didn't even talk about shaking in the church. Uh, That's really where the shaking begins because the judgment begins at the house of God. Lord, we pray that you would sustain those who are being shaken in the church and those who are being shaken in the world economically and sociologically and in every way, Lord. Sustain them, Lord, as they hold on to your grace. Lord, give us a revelation of grace like we've never had. Not cheap grace, but real grace, expensive grace that cost everything to purchase our salvation. Lord, give us grace to continue in worship and prayer and the word and in edifying fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Speaking of the British Empire, we have a special announcement coming all the way from England.
lost little sister. Yeah, we are living in London and wanted to wish you a very, very happy birthday for this your milestone 50th. I'm really sorry that we can't be together, but hopefully this message will make up for that. And just want you to know that we will send you tons of love and very best wishes for the next 50. And uh, hopefully one day we'll be able to be together again. What we would really love, this is me and all the family, was if you could come and visit us any time you like, for as long as you like, so that we can catch up on all the years that we have missed and all the memories that we shared. And it would be really wonderful to see you anyway. That's me signing off for now, but have a wonderful birthday and hope we'll be in touch soon. Lots of love from all of us. Bye. Thank you, congregation, for indulging me in that. And darling, I didn't tell the people you were 50. Your best friend did. <laughs> also, I have a very special email for a very special person from American Airlines. What? You're going to go see her. Thank you, congregation. Uh, got a really good deal on tickets, and I've been preparing for a 50th for some time. And so... Um, this is awesome. Praise the Lord. Yes. For a week. For one week only. It's dirt cheap tickets. You can't exchange it. Can't cancel it. That's it. You're boxed in. Let it come back. Praise the Lord. Let us stand. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And feed you with understanding and revelation of his unshakable kingdom of which he has made you a part. And may everything in our lives that is shakable be shaken off in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. So lighting, my God.